<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. So the murder trial of former police officer Derek Chauvin for killing George Floyd is scheduled to kick off tomorrow. Let's talk about whether George Floyd and his family and the community have any real shot at justice. Because justice matters. Hey all, Glenn Kirshner here. So the Derek Chauvin trial is scheduled to kick off tomorrow with jury selection. Uh, Derek Chauvin, former police officer in Minneapolis, is charged with both murder and manslaughter. We'll talk about the charges in a minute for killing George Floyd together with some other officers who are also charged. Here's my plan. I want to try to do a very short preview of what we can expect tomorrow, and then my hope is to do a short daily video, maybe in addition to my more typical um, legal analysis video of the day. We'll see how ambitious I really am about trying to post two videos each day. But I want to try to take on what's going on each and every day in the George Floyd murder trial because it is important, indeed, it's historic. Um, what we all saw on that nearly nine-minute videotape was sickening, and it felt like a culmination of what we have been seeing police officers do to our black brothers and sisters over and over and over again. And I will always hasten to add, not all police officers are bad or prejudiced or engage in excessive force, but we've seen so many instances of it now and we have to pull out all the stops to put an end to it. So here are the couple of things I want to highlight for tomorrow's um, jury selection. The first thing is there may not be a jury selection at all. Why do I say that? Well, I have the charging document here in Chauvin's case, and he was originally charged with three crimes. One was second-degree murder, the second was third-degree murder, and the third was second-degree manslaughter. And these are, you know, different offenses depending on the intent to kill or um, the criminal negligence involved in doing something that was likely to end George Floyd's death. Here's the thing. The third-degree murder charge, which in some way in some ways might be the most appropriate charge, we're going to talk about that in future videos, was thrown out. It was dismissed by the trial court judge, but that was appealed by the prosecutors. And the appellate court decided that the trial court judge should not have dismissed it and basically directed that it go back into the case. But it hasn't gone back into the case yet, and that's something that will probably be resolved tomorrow on the first day of jury selection. Here's the thing. 
depending on how the trial court judge rules on that, one party or another, the prosecution or the defense, may actually want to appeal it. And that could push off jury selection for a matter of days or even longer. So stay tuned because jury selection is scheduled to begin tomorrow, Monday, but I'm not entirely sure it will begin. Here's the second thing I want to take on. And this is a bit of an outlier, but I think it's a really interesting topic to discuss. As you all probably know, the Constitution provides us a right to a jury trial, certainly in any felony case, any serious criminal case. We're entitled to a jury. However, some jurisdictions also say you're entitled to waive your right to a jury trial and have the judge sit as what we call the finder of fact, or we refer to it as a bench trial instead of a jury trial because you try the case just to the judge. And the judge, in a very real sense, sits as your jury. But of course, that has a couple of different implications. Um, one of the, the good things about a judge trial, a bench trial, is it tends to move much more quickly and more efficiently than if you're trying a case to a jury. Another, I think, benefit is you're never going to have a hung jury, right? Because if 12 jurors cannot unanimously decide a case, then the judge will declare, okay, it's a hung jury, it's a mistrial, and the prosecution has to decide whether to retry the case. Well, with just the judge sitting as the finder of fact, sitting in essence as the jury, you can't have a hung jury. That's another positive, I would say. Why would a defendant want to waive his right to a jury and have a judge decide his fate? Here's why. And I've had it happen in some of the cases I prosecuted during my 30 years as a prosecutor. Sometimes cases are so emotionally charged that even if you have a really good legal defense, what some might call a technical defense, if not an outright technicality, well then, sometimes defendants and their attorneys are afraid the jurors will let their emotion rule and factor into their decision and they'll be less inclined to maybe decide a case based on a hyper-technical aspect of the law. But judges, the, I think, prevailing wisdom is, are less likely to be swayed by the emotion of a case, right? They're more neutral, they're more detached, they see cases day in and day out, and maybe a purely legal and maybe technical aspect of the law that could serve as a defense is more likely to resonate with or to convince a judge, even though it might be lost on a jury. So, stay tuned tomorrow because I think there is a chance, perhaps a, a, a slim chance, that Derek Chauvin's attorney tomorrow says they have reached a different tactical decision and they want to waive their right to a jury and have the case decided by the judge. We should know how that plays out tomorrow. Then in future videos, perhaps as early as tomorrow, depending on what happens on both the appeal issue and the jury trial issue, I want to tackle some other really difficult, challenging 
tactical aspects of this case. Now, I can tell you, for 22 of my 30 years, I was a homicide prosecutor in Washington, D.C., including being deputy chief and then chief of the homicide section responsible for supervising upwards of 30 federal homicide prosecutors and overseeing all murder prosecutions in the District of Columbia. Um, I handled cases, I investigated cases, I supervised cases, including both cop killers and killer cops. I also had many cases involving strangulation or asphyxiation, which is part of what comes into play in the Derek Chauvin case. And I want to preview what I'm going to talk about in a future video, perhaps as early as tomorrow. Um, I've gone through the autopsy report by the Hennepin County medical examiner who actually performed the autopsy on George Floyd. And I predict that there is one section of it on page two, Roman numeral three, that will be of keen interest to the defense attorney for Derek Chauvin and will probably be embraced and adopted and argued affirmatively by Derek Chauvin's attorney as a partial defense. I'll talk in the future about why that is. And then let me say one more thing that presents a really interesting tactical challenge. You know, we have all seen that horrific, and that's an understatement, eight minute and 46 seconds, almost nine minutes when Derek Chauvin had his knee on the neck of George Floyd and other officers were also restraining George Floyd. When George Floyd was already on the ground, prone position, handcuffed and posing a threat to exactly nobody. Derek Chauvin's attorney might actually end up embracing that nine minute stretch of time. And that dovetails with what I'm seeing in section three of the autopsy report. And I wanna talk about that more in future videos, as I say, as early as tomorrow, depending on how the trial proceeds or doesn't proceed tomorrow. But I wanna leave you with this. Having seen all sorts of murder cases, having seen the inhumanity, the things that human beings do to one another, as a homicide prosecutor for more than two decades, um, I can tell you that what I see in this case and everything that I learned as a homicide prosecutor leads me to the conclusion, um, and I understand the evidence hasn't all been introduced at trial, but I am neither a judge nor a jury. I am at this point a legal analyst, and I'm trying to explain what we see and project where we might go from here, everything I see leads me to conclude that Derek Chauvin is criminally responsible for the death of George Floyd. Now, what level of homicide he's responsible for? Because remember, we have second degree murder. We might have third degree murder, depending on what the judge rules tomorrow. We also have a charge of second-degree manslaughter. What level of homicide, what level of, uh, of murder or manslaughter Derek Chauvin is ultimately responsible for? That's a really interesting question. 
and another one I'm going to tackle in the future. But based on everything I see, I absolutely see criminal responsibility um, on behalf of Derek Chauvin for the homicide, for the unlawful killing of George Floyd. Lots to unpack day by day, folks, and I'm going to try to keep you up in real time every day with what I see unfolding in the murder prosecution against Derek Chauvin. Let's just hope, let's just hope that for George Floyd and his family and the community and the country that justice comes for Derek Chauvin because justice matters. As always, folks, please stay safe. Please stay tuned. And I very much look forward to catching up with you about the unfolding Chauvin case tomorrow.